Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary, revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. So you can check me out at aliciabar.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategies, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other experts to bring you real help you can implement now. In this episode, we're going to talk about a hot topic these days, social selling, and when to hire a social seller with Ryan Dowdy, who is the co-founder of Social Sellers Academy and a 15-year high-ticket sales veteran. Welcome to the big show, sales is not a dirty word. Hi, I'm excited to be here, Alicia. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. And it's so interesting, you guys, because Ryan and I were talking before the show and realized that we have really similar backgrounds selling digital marketing um, through newspapers who, you know, inevitably had large digital reaches and didn't know really how to leverage those audiences and sell those audiences and stuff. So Really cool that she has such a similar background. And um, Brian, how long have you been in the online world? Yeah, so um, great question. I'm, I'm trying to think, I was trying to think of a timeline. The online world, probably since 2018 is when I started like poking around, trying to figure out what was going on, what my options were um, as an entrepreneur. And then I finally left my full-time job um, in 2019. So just over two years ago, um, is like my some full-time entrepreneurship at eight. I started dabbling in early 2018. So it's been almost three and a half, four years. Yeah. So you have, um, successfully, you know, transitioned over, done a really great job at it. Um, started this Academy, you have some new services. And, um, one of the things that really seemed to be in need for you was the social sellers. And what made you notice this opportunity in the market and for everyone. Oh, we should define. So, so, well, why don't you define Ryan? What is social selling? So the way I define social selling is, you know, in the traditional business environment, there's, you know, there's inside sales, right? Primary sales tool is the phone, um, outside sales, uh, primary sales tool face-to-face, right? And so now social sales is our primary sales tool is social media. So to me, social selling is simply leveraging social media as a sales tool, as a way to connect, um, build relationships, serve, and ultimately sell our products and services. So um, that's kind of my definition of social selling. There's a lot of different nuances to it, Alicia, but that's how when somebody's like, what do you mean by that? That's that's the simplest definition I can give. Yeah, um, it, it really kind of like, I think bleeds over into um, lead gen totally. in, a, in a way. So like how there's cold calling, like you were talking about on the phone, we're not just talking about like taking inbound leads, but really making those leads a thing, uh, like fabricating them out of thin air. Social selling is not quite that because it's somebody who's engaging with you on a social platform and you're just taking that engagement and turning and warming it up, right? Into yeah, a lead. We, do, we have some clients who use social selling as their primary lead gen tool and others who don't, um, you know, that, that are running ads and have other inbound traffic, but uh, you know, we, we definitely leverage it as a lead generation tool. So uh, again, to leverage like, you know, the, the new school version of cold calling, but again, we do it in a more organic 
way that includes a lot more engagement. Um, so we, we do a little bit of both. Some of it is engaging with the people who are engaging with you. And some of it is finding new people to engage with in hopes they'll engage with you. And then we can engage them in the sales process. So it's a little oh, bit of both. Cool. Yeah. That is very different. You're right. Um, those processes would look very different, finding somebody new and engaging with them, um, versus somebody who's engaging with you. So, uh, that's a great distinction, but this is really attractive to a lot of people who have a visible brand online and a lot of content and people, even with ads and stuff with inbound stuff, people are engaging, but maybe not booking calls because there's so much time between first seeing advertising and actually booking a call and social selling can really accelerate that process, which is super attractive to a lot of people. Um, and that's why it's become so popular is, would be my guess. It's like, oh, cool. I have all these people that are liking and commenting and, um, but they're not booking a call and I'd like to find out why and get them to totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's social selling. We always say it just accelerates what you're already doing. Um, by way of content marketing and things like that. So, uh, yeah, engage with this, inviting them into conversation, um, qualifying them, uh, you know, serving them. And then also the long-term nurture process, uh, you know, as we've learned, if we've learned anything in the past year is that, you know, if we're, if we're dependent upon the algorithm to do our nurturing for us, you know, we're in trouble. So, you know, we, we like to talk about how we leverage social selling as a way to continue to nurture those people who aren't ready to buy yet. Right. So maybe somebody does come into your world on Instagram and they're following along. Um, maybe they wind up on your email list. Um, but like, we're really focusing on this long-term human to human relationships. So where we can qualify and nurture people and create a long-term sales pipeline, uh, instead of con- consistently being dependent upon those new leads coming into our ecosystem. Yeah. We're talking about the DMS people, direct message inbox situation. Um, really those conversations can really, you know, feel a lot less pressure for people. I think because like people are moving more and more away from, they're almost scared to get on the phone. So it can really take the pressure off to just have that conversation in text when, you know, I can get back to you tomorrow with an answer and blah, blah, blah. Um, but people have really been abusing this too. Uh, if anybody is listening, does content marketing, there are people coming in your, in your direct messages, just probably annoying the crap out of you with pitches. Um, so it's, it's definitely like, I would imagine Ryan, is it changing? Like what's effective in social selling? Has it changed from what it used to be effective? Totally. So I used like people did used to leverage LinkedIn. I used to say like they, they used to leverage LinkedIn like a like an old school robo dialer, right? Like the robo dialer is the one that just yes. oh, you know what a robo dialer is. Yes. Uh, you know, like automated. And that's how people used to use LinkedIn, right? They'd go on, they'd connect with a bajillion people every day, and then they would just pitch those people. And I'm not sure if it was ever effective, but uh, <laughs> created a lot of um a lot of very skeptical people on the internet. So what we really focus on is kind of like I shared, it's that human to human connection aspect, right? It's no longer the spray and pray mentality. And we don't have to do that anymore, right? We have access to so much information because of social media that we should never have to guess like, oh, is this person my person or not, right? At least generally, like generally speaking, you know, like if you work with service-based businesses, there's no reason to ever be, you know, engaging with somebody who has a product-based business or, you know, if you 
work with, um, you know, business owners who are, who have teams or who are larger companies or have brick and mortar presences, right? There's no reason to be over here talking to solopreneurs because we have access to so much information. So what I, we really focus on, Alicia, as we always tell our, our, our clients um, and our students to be, you know, want you to be the most interesting and the most interested person in someone's inbox, right? Um, it's not about talking about yourself. It's about talking about them. Uh, I always say like, let's view so like meet social networking as we would in-person networking, right? Like you would never walk into an in-person networking event and you know, hi, my name is Ryan. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is how amazing I am. This is how I serve my clients. And by the way, here's a link to my calendar, right? Like that would be very weird to do in person. So like, we need to not do that on the internet. But what you yeah. would do if you met somebody new in person is you would say, oh, Alicia, I see that, you know, you help solopreneurs and sales. That's so cool. How did you get into that? Right? Like, that's how you would start a conversation in person. That's how we need to be starting conversations on social media. Yeah. And it, that is a great distinction. And I rarely see a lot of times I'll even have people message me and ask me what I do. And I'm like, it's on my profile. Right. Like it's just a bare minimum effort. Just take a look beforehand. Um, now I really feel like you don't care about me. <laughs> All the info was right there. Um, right. yeah, it was, it's kind of like before a sales meeting, since we both did digital media proposals, it's like, you look at what the person you're going to go meet with does and what they've done in the past. Have they done any events? What is their branding? Like, like things that you can talk to them about opportunities. You could talk to them about based on that, not that you're going to bless you, um, tell anyone that what they're doing is everything they're doing is wrong, which is a common sales st strategy that people think is, is good is to be like, Hey, I noticed that you're doing like a lot of stuff wrong on your social profile or something. Like I, people have said that. And it's like, nobody really responds well to hearing that they're doing everything wrong. So not necessarily saying that, but being like, I love this that you're doing and we could amplify it. You know, would you be interested in that or something like that? Is that kind of totally. on track? Yeah. It's funny. We used to, the way we used to talk about it in digital marketing, Alicia, is we used to tell people that you cannot call babies ugly. Like you cannot tell them like that their website is bad. Like what if they built it? What if their kid built it? Like you cannot call their baby ugly. Like it doesn't matter. Like you can't tell them that their social media is terrible because what if they love it? What if they're really proud of it? So yeah, you know, that, that whole sales strategy um, is definitely a little tired uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with the social sellers, this is, I mean, have you seen an increase in demand for social sellers in the past? Uh, what does that look like? The timeline of people needing them and how it's increased? Yeah, that's so interesting because one of the very first questions you asked me, and then we kind of got off topic. Sorry. <laughs> Was, you know, how did this idea come about? Like, where did this come from? Yeah. So I started my business. I was actually a um, I was coaching brand new entrepreneurs. So kind of our tagline was that we helped, um, high performing, you know, women, or we helped, you know, high achieving women leave their nine to five and build six figure businesses. Like that was kind of our thing. And Kelly Roach at the time was my, um, was my business coach. And, um, I was consulting for her training her sales team. She, her business had just blown up. She hired six salespeople and she was like, you know, can you come in and train my team? And that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, I was getting people asking me like, Hey, you have a social seller. She's killing it. Like, how are you training her? And then Kelly was like, who's training your people. And so we kind of joke sometimes that it was like a Google doc and a handful of phone calls, um, and like a coaching hot seat and social sellers Academy was born. Um, so we really just launched the Academy in January of 20, 
21, um, where, you know, we're specifically working with the teams of, you know, those, those multiple six and seven figure entrepreneurs. So there's, it's been really the past, you know, all of 2021, where we've really seen a lot of acceleration on this, um, yeah. as far as, as hiring the social seller and even the career social seller, right? So, you know, before there were a lot of different terms, I've heard people with like, you know, using a community manager or, um, you know, I've even seen people call it just lead generation. You know, we've heard the term, you know, you've got your high ticket setters and closers. And yes. Stuff. Setters, appointment setters. Right. Um, so, you know, the reason we use, you know, social selling specifically and not just setters and closers, um, is because, I mean, the way I view it, setters and closers can use really any, you know, any platform, right. You can use the phone to a yeah. set appointment, you can use email, you can use it for us. Like we primarily really drill down into using social media as your primary tool. Um, but I'm also a, like not an either or kind of girl. Like if your business is working and you love to go out and you love to go to events, like you love to go out in person and network and meet people. Like my proposal is never that we stop doing that. It's, it's a both and not an either or, um, but we yeah. really focus what we teach really is rooted in, in how to leverage social media as that tool. Um, but obviously most of what we teach is just very fundamentally sound, regardless of your primary sales mechanism. Great. So it's like universal. It works no matter what medium you're using kind of thing, but there are some nuances. I'm sure that you teach in the Academy to the social aspect in particular. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, it's the, it's the simple stuff that we just talked about, right? Like we have access to so much information, like not being lazy, doing your prep work ahead of time, how to do your follow-up, how to create, um, you know, how to create familiarity, those types of things. And also what's cool about social media is we have so many different ways to engage, right? Like we can send video messages. We can send voice messages. We can send text messages. We can engage on people's social media content. So, um, we can bounce from platform to platform, right? We can engage with you on LinkedIn. And then, you know, we're over here on Instagram having a conversation. So those are some of the nuances that we work with, but the, the system would not be any different than what you, you used when you were doing consultative selling, selling digital marketing solutions. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, do you have like a marker for when someone should consider becoming a social seller or, um, sorry, hiring a social seller? Yes. So the things that we look for, Alicia is one that we have a proven offer, right? Um, we see a lot of people trying to outsource sales, um, because they don't like it. Right. Because right. <laughs> get it off my plate. And it's like, if your offer isn't proven, meaning like, you know, that people like it and want to sell it and you or want to buy it, you know, why they buy it, you know, the objections they have to it, you know, the buying cycle, you know, the previous buying decisions they've made, like all the things that we need to know to train a social seller to be effective. Like yes. we have to do those things ourselves first. So for us, we kind of, we put a bow on that with saying like, it's a proven offer and, and proven. I don't mean that you sold it to hundreds of people, but like, for the most part, we're like, if you haven't sold it to 10 or 15 people yet, like I want you to go do that. Like, I need you to talk to enough people to have the information that you need to be able to teach somebody else how to do this. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that we're looking yeah. for is proven offer. I'm the same way. I sp specifically, I also like to know that they've gotten a client results with it. Yeah. Like that's really important for a sale. Salespeople get fired up when they know that they're selling something good. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, is that we're getting people results. And most of our clients are the, the reason why they try to rush it. What we see is they're going from selling one-to-one -to, -one to selling one-to-many. So they know that their system works, right? Because they've used it in their one-to-one -one practice in whatever form that is. And so now they're ready to go one-to-many, but I'm like, it's not always exactly the same, right? Like it's, it's not, not, it's really not. Sell it. 
um, first. So, um, but yeah, so we want to make sure that our people get results. And then from there, um, it's really about, you know, what is, what is the system? What is the sales system? And a lot of people get like real deer in headlights with this. And they're like, what sales system? And I'm like, just because it's not documented doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like if you're signing clients, you have a sales process, right? We just need to document it, right? We need to know, we need to be able to tell your social seller what to do all day. Right? Like we need to tell them what activity they need to be focused on. We need to tell them what questions they need to be asking. We need to tell them what makes a qualified buyer and what's, a, you know, what's in someone who's not qualified. Right. So we need to have a lot of that information. And like I said, even if, um, you know, it's not documented somewhere, if you're selling an offer, it, it exists. You just need to sit down and kind of map that out. So once those two things are done, so we've got a proven offer, right. We have our sales system documented, um, you know, then it's really time to start thinking about, you know, hiring that social seller. Uh, for us, we're big fans of, you know, base plus commission roles, oftentimes because most of our clients are, um, are looking for people to do lead gen work for them as well. Right. Um, and especially if you're a newer business, just hitting that multiple six figure mark, um, you know, that person's probably going to wear more than one hat in the business because that's what happens in startups. And right. so if you can't, you know, give somebody, if they can't spend a hundred percent of their time selling something and have, you know, a lead flow for it, for them to be able to eat as a hundred percent commission is really hard. So it's also thinking through, do I have, you know, three to six months um, of this person's salary or do I feel comfortable committing to it? Even if it's in like recurring revenue, that's promised. We're like, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that I could pay this person, um, you know, a, a base plus commission role. So those are kind of the three big things, right? So it's the proven offer, it's the system itself. And then it's, you know, being willing to make an investment in that person. So that person is willing to make an investment in you. Yeah. Just knowing that the beginning is the worst it'll ever be. Of They're going to get to learning your offer and then it'll just get better and better. And so you're probably not going to make a ton of money that first month and either is the other person. Um, but like, why would somebody want to just do hundred percent commission? Another thing I see a lot is like, people will be like, I have leads, but like, they're not good leads. So then the person's just, and by good leads, I mean, they want and need what you have and can afford it. I don't just mean like this person has no idea what you're selling and, and you're getting on the phone with them and figuring out that they don't even need what the hell you're selling. You know, you, it has to be somebody who's like a fit for your services or else it feels like the salesperson's wasting a ton of time. And I see that a lot of times too, because the, the person who owns the offer is like, I'm giving them so many leads and like, they can't close any of them. And you know, there's always that like kind of struggle. I notice sometimes where the owner doesn't thinks that they should be able to sell anything. Um, and the salesperson, you know, can't be a diva about the leads they're getting, but it needs to be like reasonable for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a hard line. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, they need to be able to make the investment knowing that it's not going to be like, I hired a salesperson and then everyone went bananas. Like if, if you have that happen, like you are so lucky that you got a salesperson who just knocked it out of the park in the first month, like never really heard of that. So do you have like a base minimum recommendation for the base? So we typically recommend somewhere between a 30 and 50 annually, 30 and $50,000 a year annually. And again, that's going to depend a lot on experience. It's going to depend a lot on like where in the world they live. You know, um, we've learned that lesson as well, you know, uh, major metropolitan areas, their salary requirements are typically higher versus, you know, more rural areas or things like that. Um, yeah. and then experience level as well. So, um, and then again, what's that person's responsibility? Are they pure lead gen? Are they, you know, are they lead gen and closing and, and what that looks like as well typically dictates that also. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Cause a lot of things that people don't realize a lot of the times, and I mean, they do, cause 
they're doing the sales at first themselves, but there's a lot involved with selling that is admin work. Essentially. It's not just, you know, getting on the phone and signing someone up. You've got to do all kinds of stuff, um, to get them there. And so, uh, recognizing that, um, and compensating for it is going to make somebody a lot more loyal to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that's happening in the job market right now, I mean, as it exists here in 2021 is there are more opportunities available than there are people. Um, so like I've been telling a lot of business owners, like I want hundred percent commission. And I'm like, nobody has to take hundred percent commission job right now. There's too many jobs available that it's, it's not, you know, at, at a different time, you know, maybe they would be feel compelled to take it, but they don't have to. You know, and good salespeople, good salespeople will never have to, right? Like if somebody is really good never. with their job, like there's too many people willing to offer a, a salary, a decent salary um, to do the work. So that's typically, you know, my, my benchmark on that is, I think there is a time and a place for it. I mean, it, it absolutely works in some business models, but you know, as you and I talked about before we hit record, it's typically in a much more mature business that has a consistent lead flow, that has a consistent process, and they're just plugging something into something that already works versus expecting this person to generate their own leads or expecting this person to be part of that like startup phase of your business. Um, so those are just kind of yeah. the things that I think of, like what's the difference between a 100% commission role and not? Yeah, drastically different. I do work with clients who like have very predictable lead flow coming in all the time from ads and yep. they just go on a salesperson's calendar. And that's awesome. Like that lead fills out an extensive form and gets on the salesperson's calendar and they just really have to show up and, and close it. And that makes sense for that to be a hundred percent commission. But if you don't have that going on right. and it, I, I always say at least like bare ass minimum, like 10, five to 10 of those a week the bare mm-hmm. minimum consistently, yep. then that, then it's definitely, you're almost asking someone not to eat, to be a salesperson. Like if you think about it from like an empathetic point of view, what you're asking somebody to do is, is really unfair and out of integrity, to be honest. Like, um, yeah. So that startup phase, that's such a good distinction. Um, and do you notice that a lot of people are looking to make this a career, this social seller career there? It's such an in-demand job, right? Yeah. So we're recruiting. So we have, you know, we designed the Academy, Alicia is is to train salespeople, but what we wound up finding is a lot of business owners were like, I would love for you to train my salesperson, but I I don't have one and I need help finding one. And so we're pulling a lot of people out of traditional sales roles, a lot of people in like customer service roles, um, like that. Um, because most of the clients that we work with, it's, you know, it's remote, it's a lot of flexibility. And what I love about entrepreneurs in general is it's typically a passion, right? You don't meet a lot of entrepreneurs that are just like, yeah, you know, I just do it because, because it's a lot of work. So, you know, we always talk about it, like being a really cool career opportunity for somebody who wants to do work that matters and work for somebody who cares and work for somebody who's mission driven um, and, you know, be part of these really rapid growth companies. So I think our world has just exploded in the past, you know, three to five years with really, really, really cool businesses. And it's a cool opportunity to be a part of that. Um, and then also speaks to a lot of things like work-life balance and flexibility that are really important as well. Yeah. I mean, whenever you're setting stuff up for this, do you usually just, I'm sure that it just, the answer is probably, it depends, but like, it doesn't really matter what hour somebody works, as long as they're hitting this minimum amount of appointments booked a day or a week or whatever, you know, do you kind of shift those metrics? So it's like, I don't really care when you work, as long as you're getting these quality opportunities. 
all of our, all of our business owners are a little bit different. Like all the clients we work with run their businesses differently. Um, you know, it, it just, it just depends. Like in the beginning, we ask all of our people to work the same hours we work just for training purposes and things like that. Right. But I also give my team a ton of flexibility, meaning, um, you know, if you have to take with one gal on our team, whose son was taking swim lessons at like three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, go take your kid to swim lessons. Right. And log back on later and get it done. So as long as the work gets done, I I'm not super picky about the hours, just as long as it also makes sense. Right. Like we don't want to be, you know, sending emails and stuff in the middle of the night. Um, so we also just right. have to be mindful of what makes sense for the business, but it absolutely is a lot of flexibility. Um, and a lot of opportunity to kind of do what works. And so I always really encourage my team to do that. Like, unless we have something going on or there's meetings on the calendar, like get the work done in a way that makes sense for you. Yeah. And that's such a bonus for somebody who's looking into a career. So yeah, I would say like, you know, there are a lot of times, maybe someone who loves sales tries to become a solopreneur and there's so much fulfillment involved in being a solopreneur, um, and a lot of unpredictability and up and down that, um, it might really make a lot of sense if you just love that world where, you know, you have more control over what you're doing and who you're working with, then being a social seller could be a great opportunity to experience that those same benefits without the cons of, uh, being a solopreneur basically. So we always, when we're talking to our CEOs, um, Alicia, who are looking to hire, we always use the word intrapreneur, meaning like somebody who's entrepreneurial minded, but inside of your company, right? So that person who is mission and vision driven, that person who can think big picture, that person who does want to be part of, you know, bigger than something than themselves, but doesn't necessarily feel compelled to, to actually run a business. Cause let's not kid. It's exponentially more work than most people think. That ton of work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a ton, a ton more hats. You got to worry about like financing and payroll and, you know, uh, bookkeeping and, um, operations and <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um, all the things that like, we didn't go to school for, but all of a sudden, not that it even matters if you go to school, but like, they're not your strength, but you got to do them in the, in the beginning. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So is there, that gives a really good idea of the type of person who's ready to hire a social seller, the benefits of hiring. So what are, do you have any benefits of hiring a social seller over like a regular different other kind of seller? Um, you know, it, it depends on your, where your people hang out. Right. So we work primarily, it's funny, this conversation just came out of mastermind, um, that I'm in and someone was like, you know, somebody asked us why we don't have an inside salesperson, like why we're not leveraging the phone. And I was like, well, I don't mean to ask a snarky comment, but like, do your clients use the phone? Like most online entrepreneurs, like you, there's not a phone number on their website, right? It's, it's totally right. different. We're working with say brick and mortar businesses where you can go to their website and you can find their phone number just as quickly as you can find their social media. Handle. Right. So I think a lot of it is the reason we like social selling is we work with a lot of online entrepreneurs that that's where their people are. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if your people answer the phone by all means, right. Hire somebody who wants to pound the phone or somebody who wants to do both. It just has to make sense for, um, for the business and for your audience. Yeah. And I mean, the intro, I, I we, we are about to see a two-year-old who, Hi. Is <laughs> uh, oh, you're sick. I'm so sorry. You're not feeling well. Say, say see you later. Say see you later, baby. Sorry <laughs> to see the benefits Bye. of working remotely. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Stop. 
she had a she had a fever. We think it's teeth, but you know the twenty four hour fever free rule. So she's home. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, home. poor babe. Um, well, she doesn't seem like too upset. So that's. I was going to say she's she's partying. She is. <laughs> she seems, she like, seems good. It's, it's the daycare rule is what kept her home today. She's good. <laughs> ah, okay. Um. So yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. Like I, I think a lot of people feel pressured to do things a certain way because somebody said to do them a certain way. And it's really like, what gets you results in your business is, yes. is the only thing that matters. So social sellers make sense for anybody who has like a big brand online and is not brick and mortar. And if you want to be a social seller, I mean, is that person a unicorn, this entrepreneur you're talking about, are they less common than more common? They're, they're not total unicorns, um, but they are harder to find, you know, somebody who has that visionary hungry spirit, but doesn't feel compelled to run their own business is absolutely hard to find. Um, but like I said, it's, it's not, it's not as hard as one would think. Um, if you have, if you're really clear on what you're looking for and you're really clear on like your mission and vision and values. So we find the clearer that our, our, our CEOs can define like their mission, their vision, their values, what's important to them, the easier it is for us to find their person, right? The more vague we are and like yeah. who we are and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, the harder it is to find your match. Um, but the more you can drill down into it, the more likely you're going to find someone who really does believe in what you're doing and want to be a part of it. Big picture. Yeah. It's like graphic design. Like they can only say what they don't want right. in their logo. And it's like, but what do you like? It's going to be so much easier as you can tell me what you do want. Um, so it sounds like Ryan is a fantastic resource to pull those things out of your brain and, uh, figure them out for you because sometimes you just don't know in the mishmash of thoughts in your head, which ones need to be written down and which ones are something that you can really latch onto. Um, And I think this gives a really clear idea of when people are ready. And if social selling is a good career for you, what are, what can somebody make? Like what's the potential as a social seller, the range? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely a huge opportunity for most of our clients. You know, it's, it's at least a six figure opportunity, if not multiple six, you know, it's going to depend upon the tenure of the company you're working with and, you know, their revenue potential, but we definitely have clients we're recruiting for right now that, their, you know, their social sellers should be making, you know, multiple six figures. And then we have newer business owners who, you know, first year um, expectations could probably be somewhere in like the, you know, the 60 to 80 range. So sometimes it just depends on who the client is or who the business is, like where they're at in their business, their growth goals, et cetera. Yeah. But multiple six is like something that can be difficult for salespeople to achieve and to think that you could do that within, you know, two years somewhere is pretty exciting. Um, and that just means that the person who's employing that person is making gobs of money. So for anyone thinking like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'd have to pay someone that much. It's like majority is made up with commissions and the base is a small portion. So they're only making money if you're making money. Um, and I know that I've seen this so many times in companies where, um, they'll look at their, you know, checks and balances sheet and they see that the most money they're spending is going to their salesperson. And they think we're paying this person too much. We need to pay them less. And it's like, the reason you're paying them so much is because they're making you a lot of money. It's not like, unless something's off in your system, but the worst thing you can do is cut that back. Like you want to be paying your salesperson a lot of money. Cause that means they're performing. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And I mean, again, that, that's probably speaking from your digital marketing background where every year they were like, how can we help our salespeople make less? Uh, but yeah, no, we always encourage all of our clients like do not cap, do not cap commissions. And like you want your people earning, if they're earning hundreds of thousands of dollars, you're earning millions. Exactly. Like, and if, and if you cut that, they're not going to be motivated and you're definitely going to take a pay cut yourself, probably much bigger than whatever you're saving, not paying the salesperson. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No comp plan. Comp plans are hard. Like you want to make sure, right. That you comp the behavior that you want. Exactly. Um, That's important. But like I said, you know, on the flip side of that, also realizing that good salespeople are extremely, you know, they're money motivated. So we want to make sure that we're, we're incentivizing the right behavior, but that we're not clipping people's wings. Cause as soon as you do, like I said, there's too many good opportunities in the market right now for someone to stay somewhere where they're going to make less money year over year um, for the same, if not more work or where their commissions are capped. There's just yeah. too many opportunities. Why would anyone want to do that? So, I mean, I think it's really helpful. Sometimes I, I think that like owners might look at salespeople and think of them as like, not just like them, but they're just people like you. Would you, would you like to be doing a really kick-ass job? And someone says, you know what, you're doing too good of a job. So I'm going to pay you less, but I really want you to keep up that same quality. How would you feel, you know, like, just think about it in those uh, terms. Cause it's just a regular person like you. Um, so I think that that's a, a really good stopping point for us. And we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this episode was about how to hire a social seller and when you're ready to hire a social seller, which is a very hot topic and a great way to generate leads without paid ads, a much less expensive way. So thanks again to Ryan for making an appearance as our guest today. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yes. Um, well, thank you, Alicia, for uh, the conversation. I appreciate it. So um, our website is daily sales on demand for CEOs.com. Um, we have a podcast by the same name. Uh, we are on all the social channels, but you can find us on Instagram at social sellers Academy. Um, and we work with our clients three different ways. Um, so we have a, um, a lead generation agency where we do a lot of the, um, the lead gen, the engagement, the nurturing, the qualifying of uh, either your existing audience or, you know, we, we really do work on audience growth as well. Uh, we have a recruiting offer where we are specifically helping you find, you know, top talent for your role. And then we have our academy, which is where we're actively training your existing sales teams. So um, just depending on where you are in your business building journey is, is typically where it makes the most sense for us to start working together. That's awesome. Especially like that you even help with audience growth. because I don't hear a lot of sales sales trainers that do that. So wonderful. This has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast. So where we show you how to sell up to 80% of the people you talk to without pain pitching or pretending to be someone else. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.